Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Now, before we get started, I want to give you an update on our Telemark video project, where Lou Kappa and Sam Shaheen and I will have to go get on Telegear for the first time ever, and then we will document it so that you can see exactly how terrible we are at teleskiing. Now, the way we set this up was that we said that we would get the gear and shoot the video once we hit 250 ratings in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. And as of this recording, we have 217 ratings, so we just have 33 ratings to go. So to the many thousands of you who listen to this fine program, but have not yet left us a rating, well, I have a hunch that there are a bunch of people out there who would really like you to do so just so they can watch us definitely go make fools of ourselves trying to telly. So yeah, take those 30 seconds, leave us a rating, and when we hit 250, let the games begin. Okay, for our conversation today, I am talking with Luke Kappa and Kristen Sinat about some of the new gear that we've been getting time on. We recorded this conversation yesterday in our Blister headquarters, and Kristen's baby boy, Lyndon, was with us. And you might be surprised to learn, turns out it can be rather tricky trying to record a podcast with an 18-month-old baby in the room. So you'll be hearing a bit from Lyndon in this conversation, but Kristen was quite strategically exiting HQ and coming back into the room. So the main reason I want to point this out is if you're wondering why you don't sometimes hear Kristen laughing at some of Luke's or my hilarious comments, well, it obviously means that she had left the room for a minute, not that she doesn't think that me and Luke are super funny. All right, that's enough preface. Let's go ahead and get right to it. Well, here we are once again in Blister Headquarters in Elevation Hotel in Mount Crested Butte. And uh, I am here with Kristen Sinat and Luke Kappa and Lyndon Sinat, who there is a, well, 100% chance you'll be hearing at least a peep or two out of Lyndon. Lyndon just really loves gear. He's excited to talk about it. It's hard to keep him quiet when we're talking about all this new equipment. So anyway, we'll see how much Lyndon we get in this conversation. But we are going to just be talking a little bit about some of the new stuff that we've been spending time on. And Lou Kappa, you've been spending time on a whole bunch of K2 Reckoners. Tell us about what you're finding. Uh, yeah, so I've now spent time, actually a pretty significant amount of time, on the new K2 Reckoner 102, the 112, and the 122. Really been enjoying them so far. Um, these skis, in case you don't know, are replacing the current Catamaran and Marksman. Um, they serve as K2's all-mountain freestyle skis. And my takeaway has been that while they're not necessarily standout in any regard, any particular regard, I feel like they could work for a really wide range of people. As long as you have playfulness as a priority, like these skis are just super intuitive. They're pretty light. Like the 102 comes in around uh, 19, 25 grams or so for 184. 
The 112 is closer to 2,035-ish grams. 122, around 2,150. So they're all pretty light skis for their size and they're not very stiff. But what I really like is that kind of softer, very symmetrical flex pattern just makes them feel super predictable. Even when you're like sliding sideways through total nasty conditions, I've never come across thinking like, oh, that ski just did something that I wasn't expecting. Like they just go where you want them to. They're super playful. They're really easy to ski. But if you're a playful skier who's kind of used to those lighter skis, skis with a more active style, I think they'll be really appealing for a lot of people. Do you have a favorite so far for whatever reason? I'd say I have a least favorite just because I'm not skiing the conditions it's really designed for. The 122 feels like a pretty powder-specific tool. And fortunately, we went up to 11 at Scarpridge Lodge, went cat skiing. It was perfect for that. But skiing in the resort and then skiing the Reckoner 112 later, I'm like, "Eh, probably just take the 112. Um, Feels a bit more versatile. Um, Between the 102 and the 112, it's tough. The 112 is super, super fun in anything soft. Um, Still fine on firm. It's just not great. And then the 102, um, what I really like is it's got a much more subtle rocker profile than the other two and a tighter radius. So I really like how it carves. And basically, as soon as I did the specs on it, I was like, this is going to be an amazing slush ski. And it's supposed to be pretty warm here in a few days. So my plan is to do that. But I, I like both the 102 and 112 a lot. Um, it's a tough call. I think I need to get the 102 into some slush before I make that final call. Last question about the Reckoners. Talk a little bit about this Reckoner series versus the Mindbender series. Yeah, so the only ski that I've skied in the Mindbender series that reminds me of the Reckoners is the Mindbender 116C, um, because the other two we skied, the 99TI and the 108TI, have totally different constructions and they're way heavier. Um, All the Mindbenders feel much more like directional skis. They all have pretty rearward mount points. And that's one of the things that, especially with the 116 comparison, that's the thing that stands out the most. Like you want to get over the shovels of the 116s, the Reckoners, you're totally, they're totally happy being skied, very centered. Um, but in terms of kind of suspension and damping, I'd say the Reckoner 112 feels pretty similar to the Mindbender 116. I think I'd give the Mindbender the edge slightly better suspension. And with that rearward mount point, you can drive it harder through rough snow. Um, but none of, neither the Mindbender 116 or any of the Reckoners are like chargers or anything like that. But in terms of like Mindbender 108 or Mindbender 99, there's very little similarity. Yeah, like I think it's safe to say zero people in the world should be like, I'm not sure whether to get the Mindbender 99 or the Reckoner 102. Honestly, the only people I can think of are like comp skiers who want to throw tricks and they're like, I want the stability of the Mindbenders, but I want the freestyle platform of the Reckoners. But other than that, should be very clear, um, pretty easy choice. And I like the K2's done that, like very different lines of skis. Yeah. I think if anything, speaking about the comp skier, there would potentially be, I think, legitimate questions about the 108, mm-hmm. the 108 versus the 112, but not the 99. Yeah. Yeah. 99 is <laughs> that's about as far as a, from a reckoner as you can get. Yeah. 
Kristen, you've also been spending time on a number of different models within the same lineup. So why don't you first start talking about these Nordica Santa Anas? So I've been on the Nordica Santa Ana 93 and the 98s quite a bit lately. And the 93, I have the older version in the same length, uh, like 172, I believe they are. And it's been fun to A-B them. Uh, I took out a sheet of Tetanol, and I think it's made it a little bit more versatile. Um, I've gone back-to-back runs on the, uh, and they just seem like they, they're easy to turn in the trees and just... I don't know. I'm excited to get on them a bit more. And the 98s, I regrettably have never skied, never skied the Santa Ana 100s, but uh, they're they're super fun ski and um, doing really well all mountain. So it's it's fun to play on those. Our, let's talk about the 93. Is it a ski that you're more interested in taking out on a day when it is very very firm? Or is the 93 still a ski that you're like, uh, I'm not like really trying to get it on like rock hard off piece stuff. So the 93, uh, the old version and this version too, um, kind of stood out to me with chalk skiing. So it's not super firm. You can still get a nice edge. Uh, I do think they'd be fine on a firm groomer or in those conditions. It, it chatters a little bit more than the older version of the uh, 93, but they... Yeah, it's kind of all conditions is what I've been testing them in, and they, they've held up really well, and they've been really fun. Do you have a current favorite, like, rock-hard conditions? I mean, this is, like, tough, right? But, like, for off-piste rock-hard, not rock-hard perfect corduroy. I think I think last year it would have been the Nordica Santa Ana 93. Uh, and I don't... No, I guess I haven't skied rock hard, um, like refrozen spring snow type conditions. And I think I would maybe just gravitate towards another trail in those situations. Because um, I don't think the new Santa Ana 93s would be as good. On it didn't that. get better for it, that. It didn't get better for that. No, because if there are any chatter marks, uh, you feel them a bit more than you did the old ones. Not, not a huge amount. Like they're still great in most conditions, but it's... I mean, they're not quite as stiff, so it's going to not be as great in those conditions. Uh, so, no, I don't know what my go-to in those conditions would be right now. What would yours be, Jonathan? I mean, if it's truly refrozen coral reef grossness, then honestly, right now, probably the Folsom Blister Pro 104. Heavy, a decent amount of tip and tail rocker to like just not get hooked up. But honestly, I pretty much just want the heaviest ski I can get on. Um, heaviest ski I can get on with a decent amount of tip and tail rocker. Now, that's different if we're talking about like ice moguls that are kind of like smooth. That's different. Now you're basically just, now you're back to like, frankly, give me a, a carving ski. Take away tip and tail rocker so I get a lot of effective edge. I just want to be on edge you know, on that and carving it, but I'm not trying to carve like refrozen coral reef. What are your thoughts, Luke? I'd say if it's like the kind of like refrozen chicken heads where you can like break them apart and it's not like every, like literally rock hard, I might choose a different, different ski, but if it's soft enough underneath the refrozen layer where you can kind of like just chop Slightly, stuff off, yeah. chop off the chicken heads, Rising Old Black Ops 118. 
Um, <laughs> if it's Jeez. if it's full on like rock hard off piste, I'd probably go Vocal Mantra 102 or maybe a J Ski's Master Blaster. Um, depending on where I'm skiing, if I'm skiing more open terrain, I might go with the heavier 187 Master Blaster. Um, and then yeah, if it's like smooth icy rock hard moguls i think probably like maybe a head monster 88 um it's not gonna be quick it's not gonna be playful right but really good suspension really precise that's actually a pretty good call yeah 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 i'm really smart I just wanted you to answer everyone, like have this big description of a condition, be like, Black Ops. Black yeah. Ops. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So with respect to the Santa Ana 93 versus the 98, do they feel a bit more different than similar or more similar than different? I think they feel fairly similar. Um Lyndon, Lyndon definitely agrees with that. Uh, there's a lot of family resemblance there. Um, I didn't spend any time on the Santa Ana 100, so I'm kind of gravitating more towards those 93s because I liked them in the last rendition, and I really like them now. I feel like they're just easier for me in the bumps. Um, but again, just difference waist-wise, I'm not seeing a huge difference. And I haven't been on the 98s as much as I've been on the 93s either, so I don't know if that is going to change my perspective when I get more time on the 98. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's my turn. Um, definitely the ski that in the near term that has been quite interesting to be getting time on is this new for next year, Blizzard Cochise 106. Those of you who read my initial flash review um, that I posted back in like mid-December, you know that I basically said, I've got pretty inconclusive initial impressions. Blizzard, you know, their whole thing is they're really trying to talk about the new found accessibility of the coaches. And then they are very quick to say like, but we didn't dumb it down. It's still a strong ski and all that. And it's like, okay, we'll see how much of this is true. The other thing I should say is they they really have been stressing that they have tried to bring this ski a bit more in line with like the original coaches. Um, and you guys have read some of my stuff, I'm sure on blister or seen our first look video. The big thing that is the signature of that coaches is that it is a strong ski that is also very easy to smear around and pivot in tight spaces. And when I skied this ski uh, in Jackson Hole in mid-December, I just didn't exactly find that to be the case. The ski was not loose in the way that I found those early versions of the Kochis to be loose. As I said in my flash review, I, do, I did think there was a good probability that a lot of this just had to do with the tune. So the good news is we got the Kochis 106 in at HQ. I did detune the tail um, pretty significantly. Um, I did not touch the ski underfoot. Um, I kept that sharp and the shovels were not, didn't feel crazy sharp to me, but the end result, and I can talk more about this. I've talked about this in our flash review. You guys should become a blister member and check that out. Um, but we'll add this in the full review. But bottom line is I feel like I have been 
100% able to loosen this ski up in the way that I wanted to and in the way and for the reason that I loved that original Cochise. And so bombing around on that ski at Crested Butte this weekend on a total gray bird day, the conditions were nothing particularly special. It, I had an amazing day. Then perhaps more surprisingly, the next day we went and had like a 14 inch sleeper pow Monday. And I took the Cochis out and I was like, you know what? Screw you in the blister audience. Like I would never ever pick a Blizzard Cochis on a 14 inch pow day. But Luke sort of said that I should probably ski it. And I was like, yeah, we probably should let people know like how this thing does in pow. And I do have to offer the big caveat that it basically was like perfect powder. It was like the perfect density powder, which is to say it's not so light, you know, that it just all blows off the mountain immediately. But yeah, like it was basically absolutely top shelf 14 inches that, and there was a bunch of wind the night before. So we were hitting definitely stashes of like where it was almost going waist deep. And I don't know, I just got to say, like I had a phenomenal day on this ski that no one has ever accused of being a good pow ski. So again, I'm not exactly ready to like vouch for the Cochise, this new Cochise as like a wonderful pow ski. But if you're skiing pow in like good pow, well, I literally like, that's what I skied and we had an unbelievable day out there on it. So um, punchline to sum this up, I'm really freaking stoked on this Cochise 106 so far. Uh, and I really didn't think that I was going to be at this place or be able to say that. So um, I don't know, even better. And again, uh, as I, I think the way I finished my flash review, like Cochise fans, um, I think you should be psyched. Yeah, I think one one like subjective factor I use to judge how much you like a ski is like on that Sunday when you were skiing it for the first time, I think, um, it was low vis. Yeah. Conditions weren't great. Yeah. Um, I had gone in, I had only skied for a couple hours because my knee hurt. I couldn't see anything. I wasn't having a good time. And then Jonathan comes back just like all giddy. Yeah. Like hundred <laughs> percent true. Yeah. And given how much you hate low visibility conditions, also true. I think that also that's like an even bigger factor in terms of how much you were a fan of that ski after that first day. Yeah. I mean, like that that is the thing that I care so much about in a, in a ski is does it make the mediocre days good? And again, as somebody who is a self-avowed, like I hate low vis skiing, I had a blast. I had a blast. And I think to to try to demystify that a little bit is like, yeah, when you are like coming through a run out, a mogled up run out and you really can't see stuff, I just felt like the flex pattern on this Cochise was strong enough that I could trust the ski to stay on the shovel. It wasn't going to fold up in half if I hit a trough weird or came through a trough and like, you know, immediately kind of slammed into a mogul. The ski just really worked. And uh, yeah, like it's a strong tail. Um, it's still a strong tail, but it is an easy ski to pivot around and slide and smear. And 
man, I think for those of you, hopefully there's a lot of you nodding along right now because you know what I'm talking about, but especially in steeper, techier terrain, that ability to just feather turns out exactly as you want to and then slam the ski or get the ski on edge to make the you know, one or two or three precise turns, that's exactly what I wanted this coaches to do. That's not exactly what I found this new coaches to do when I skied it in mid-December. But again, adjust the tune to taste. And I think we all, I think I can say that we all have a coaches back that you are going to remember and maybe really like. All right, Luke, um, back to you. What do you got? Um, so speaking of loose and pivoting, um, the ski I've been spending a lot of time on recently, it was actually on the day you were on the coaches is the new Dina star M free one Oh eight. Um, this is a new ski that's essentially based on the old Dina star proto. Then it was called the menace proto. Now it's going to be called the M free one eighteen. Anyway, that was a one eighteen millimeter wide ski that we loved because of how easy it was to pivot and it was pretty heavy, so it had really good suspension. And the 108 shares a lot in common with it. Um, we're skiing the 182 centimeter version. Um, I'll talk about length later. But um, basically, it brings most of what I love about the Proto into a more all-mountain-friendly design. Um, it's pretty heavy. It comes in around 2,175 grams per ski for our 182 centimeter length. So quite heavy for a 108, especially in that freestyle category. Um, but just like so easy to pivot, very playful, but still has good suspension. Um, talking about like the coaches, like how you can just like feather turns really easily. I'd say we were talking about like the spectrum of like super locked in. Yeah to super loose and the coach you're saying is like somewhere around the middle like does both pretty well say the m free definitely leans more towards the pivoty surfy end of the spectrum um i will say i think the tune plays into this a little bit um when i first got on it i was noticing it not feeling quite as loose on firm snow as we've bashed it into a million rocks at this point um may not be quite as sharp but yeah just like effortless to throw sideways the downside to that is i i think i would like a longer version of this ski more um because it's so easy to pivot and slide around especially like working through bumps or steeps where there's some pushed around snow the tips are more inclined to just like go uphill and they want to go sideways and i feel like a longer version I could maintain a lot of that easy pivoting, but be able to kind of control where the shovels shovels are going a little bit easier. The bummer is that they do a 182 and then a 192. Yeah. And our pair of the 182 measures pretty true to length, actually. So that 192 is going to be long. Um, I really wish they made like a 186 or a 187. I know when you look at like 10 centimeters, it's not that big of a difference, but... Um, for Crested Butte, I feel like Dina Star should make us a custom 187 and 3108. <laughs> this goes back to one of the things I think it's safe to say that we feel like strongest about. Like if we had the 10 commandments at Blister, every company needs to make a ski that's like 185 to 187. Like Just for us. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess just yeah. for us. But like if you're making a ski that's 108 millimeters wide, 
that ski should be made available in something like, do you want to drop it down to 184 to 187? Or do you want to just say we, our commandment is 185 to 187? I, I don't care. I, I know what a centimeter looks like, but so I know that's a really small. I'm just trying to <laughs> dial in our commandment. What, I, what my commandment would be is just like, if you're going to make a good ski, don't make it in 10 centimeter increments. Okay. Like that's just, it's a big gap. It's a big gap. Yeah. All right. Luke needs a narrower gap. Okay. It is a fun ski. I can say as somebody who just got done praising like the Blizzard Cochise, like the Menace 108 is not a Cochise by any stretch, um, but still a really fun ski. Yeah. The way I've been thinking about it is like, Expert skiers who know they want a really loose surfy ski, but also want good suspension, great ski for you. Also, like, I'm, I'm not sure I'd put a beginner on it, but like, maybe someone, maybe a beginner a bit taller than me, because it's, it's yeah. super easy to ski, but it makes skiing rough snow a bit more comfortable. I would say just because it's got, it's got the weight. And also like super tapered shape, so swing weight is not big. Yeah, um, feels lighter than it is. Um, yeah. Okay, um, Kristen. Um, so you've been skiing the Rosignol Black Ops Rallybird Ti and non Ti. Maybe actually the place we should start is, what do you think of the Rallybird name? You thumbs up on Rallybird, thumbs down on Rallybird. I like the Rallybird name. I do too. I think Rosignol Black Op Rallybird is a long name, That's, but I like the Rallybird part of it. Right. Rosignol could have maybe had an editor. And like if we ditched the Black Ops and just went Rosignol Rallybird, I'm very in on that. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Although the Black Ops make it sound kind of badass. So you're back in on Rosignol. I'm, I'm okay with it, but I'd like to cut it out when we maybe talk about it all the time maybe just rosy rally birds yeah but okay um let's talk about the skis yeah so i've uh spent a number of days on uh both the rally bird ti and the non-ti version and i i'm kind of gravitating more towards the non-ti version they just seem i want to say playful but i know that has different connotations for different people but I spent one day in the bumps on them and I was like, oh my goodness, I can ski bumps for the first time, like fluidly and like it felt good. Wait a second. <laughs> you felt like you could ski moguls? I mean, I've skied a lot of moguls with you, like a lot of moguls with you. Wait, okay. <laughs> on the TI or the non-TI? The non-TI. And sorry to interrupt. Let's, we should probably say a little bit more about this. How wide are these skis? Sorry, they're they're 103 in the waist. Um, and it's not that I can't ski moguls. It just seemed like things clicked. It's like the tails uh, were easier to kind of feather around the end of the turn hmm. than some of the other ones. And I'd been on the Santa, Nordica Santa Ana's quite a bit, so that might be part of it. But it just, it was really fun. And um, only had a couple of uh, runs on large moguls. And then just based on where I'd been skiing, they had gotten a little smaller and more chalky bumps. And they've just been a really fun ski. Uh, not loving them as much on groomers, especially some that have a little bit of chop on them. Um, they just don't immediately go to a carb or uh, don't feel quite as stable as some of the other skis I've been on. But uh, the TI version uh, does seem a little bit more stable on those 
same within like a chalk situation. If there's any chatter marks, it seems to hold a little bit better. So both skis you're preferring for off-piste yes. stuff? Yeah, yeah okay. definitely. Okay. Perhaps the biggest question for now, you're going to be getting more time on these things. So I know I realize I'm hitting you up slightly prematurely maybe, but how do you feel about the like TI versus non-TI? Are you like, whoa, huge difference? Or are you more like they're pretty similar? So it's going to be a little harder maybe to steer a given skier to the TI versus non-TI? Yeah. So I was up in um, Sun Valley working a race and I was going back and forth constantly with them thinking I would, I had a full day, 8.30 to 4, just to figure out the differences. And I, I can tell the difference, like, but it's so minor. Like, I don't quite know who would gravitate towards one versus the other. But that being said, I like the non-TI version better. Um, and I think a heavier skier might gravitate towards the TI version a little bit more, but the difference is fairly minor as far as I can see now after a couple days on it. Um, maybe in more conditions, um, if I can, yeah, when I get to test it more, I, I'll be able to, something will stand out a bit more, but right now it's just, uh, very, they seem pretty similar. Okay. Next thing I need to talk about the fit of ski pants. <laughs> We're going to go real fast over this, but like, I still don't understand how anybody skis in like a slim fit ski pant. Like, I don't think I have like monster huge quadriceps or anything, but like, man, trying to ski in some touring in a pair of ski pants and then skiing a pair of inbounds it's just like people like I'm not I'm not like campaigning here for a quote unquote baggy fit where like the pants are absolutely falling off your waist. I just want some room through the legs. Yeah, I maybe I have skinny thighs, but <laughs> I just like as long as it's not like as long as I'm not feeling actual tension on the fabric. I don't care if it's touching my legs. Like that's what pants are supposed to do. No. Um, especially in the thigh. Like if it's just it's just resting on my thighs, like that's fine. And I don't need it to be super skinny through like from the knee down. But personally, I like a slightly more tailored look. And I think super like just when you basically you take a rectangle and just hang it off of your waist, like that doesn't look great to me most of the time. Um, I do have, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not arguing for a rectangle. I just want to, actually, I guess I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. (laughs) I'm arguing for a rectangle. I like rectangle (laughs) pants. Yeah, no, I like well-patterned pants that are slightly conforming to the body, but allow full range of motion. And especially when it's with like a stretchy fabric, like what spurred this conversation, I guess, was these pair of uh, Houdini's roller coaster bibs. Yeah. Which, to be clear, are not skinny pants. Yes, they are. Like they barely touch any part of me apart from my waist. That's because you're little. Yeah. Well, they, and you're complaining that they look too skinny on me as a smaller person. <laughs> um, I just, I, I also have. <laughs> been reviewing a pair of Holden's, the standard pant, which is kind of like their price point, two-layer resort pant. 
Big fan so far. Pretty burly fabric. Just the features you need. Not a bad price point. But <laughs> I specifically requested it in the skinny version. And they are very skinny. Um, so come springtime um, when it's, I don't know, when I can wear something slim fitting on top, I'll be wearing those and just just purposefully skiing right in front of you and making people take a million pictures of me with the super skinny pants because they are I, legitimately skinny. Listen, I don't care what other people want to ski in. So this isn't some aesthetic that I find <laughs> offensive. I just know like ski pants like basketball shorts should be roomy. And Courtney DeWalter agrees with me on this. So <laughs> that's the end of my argument. I feel like I've got all the evidence I need. No, I don't want to downgrade Courtney, but I feel like I know more about skiing than she does. She does, maybe. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know. I I don't. I guess I don't have a point to the end of this, <laughs> other than like, I would just. I'm one. I'm just one man, but I'd like to vote for more room, especially through the thighs in ski pants. But honestly, if you want to make rectangle rectangular ski pants, hit me up. I would love to review those for you. All right, Kristen just came back in the room. Uh, Lyndon was getting a little antsy. So Kristen is back just in time to weigh in on this whole pant fit issue. I think I have, uh, so I think slim fit for you guys might be different. Well, for guys in general versus girls, especially right now. Well, actually, I guess Bogner and those companies have always had those like slim fit, like thinking spandex style, right? But you guys are thinking more, just not spandex. Not no, like, right. Like but, I'll, and I will, for the record, like I'll rock like compression shorts. Like those are some, underneath your yeah, ski pants. Yeah, underneath. Yeah. Right. No, I don't ever like just go. <laughs> okay. So that's out. what I'm saying. Like there's, there's uh, like Flylo is bringing a Parker pan out and their pants are like, they can, they're a soft shell. They are not, they're pretty much skin tight. Like they're form fitting. They, they look pretty good. They skin tight. Dan Abrams, what's up? It. I mean, I. You can get a base layer under them, and they have a um, kind of a fleecy interior. There, I really like them. I just skied them a couple of days, uh, but they look like '90s race pants in in a sense, like the Got streamlined it. version. Got it. So to me, that's a slim fit. Yeah. But in general, I gravitate more towards like a straight leg. I wouldn't say super relaxed. Not a ton of room in the thighs. Um. I yeah, because I don't want like a saggy bottom. I would say so. I'd go more. I don't know if you guys like the straight leg term. Straight leg, as yeah. opposed to rectangle. Straight leg slim fit. I'd go more, but not straight leg slim fit. But okay. then, what would you call the tight fit, form fitting? Awful reasons. Parker. Reasons not to ski. No, the. I mean, the, for women. I, saying, women. I think you, you're going to like if they become more popular <laughs> on the mountain because they're comfortable. They're, I mean, they're not waterproof, I, I don't think at least. But yeah, it's interesting to, to see some of these come around and actually have um, technical capabilities and you can actually ski them like you would any other ski pant. Hmm. Okay. Um, feel free to weigh in in the comments section on this. Uh, let's see where our audience is at, but, uh, apparently, um, there's quite a range going on in ski pant fit though, except that I seem to be losing. Maybe this, we were saying this was the year of Ellsworth, but I'm having trouble finding a looser fitting ski pant. 
Maybe I'm not looking in the right spots. I, I don't think you want to. I don't think they make the par- fly low Parker pant in a men's version. So I think you're okay there. That's good. Okay, moving on. All right, Luke, um, you're back up. What do you got? Uh, so another ski I've been spending a lot of time on um, is the Wonder Intention 110. Um, been skiing it throughout the year this year. Um, Sam Shaheen's been on the reverse camber version, which we'll be getting back on soon. Um, but I've been mostly skiing the cambered version and skiing it a mix of backcountry touring and in the resort because it comes in. The cambered version's around, it's like just under 1800 grams per ski for a 185 centimeter. Um, so it's kind of in that 50-50 weight and Wonder's making a lot of claims about their algae composite and how it makes it ski better for the weight. So um, that's actually the ski I took out on Monday during yeah. that 14-inch storm. And I I mean, I basically like cried as I left the room as the Black Ops 118 and the <laughs> Vocal Revolt 121 left on the shelves here. And I thought I was going to be really sad, but... I mean, it's just the, I think the most important factor with that ski is just, it's so intuitive. Like it's just easy to ski. You can push it hard. You don't have to in powder. Like, like it's like when we were hitting like pockets that were like waist deep. Yeah. Yeah. I was skiing a little back seat, but like once you get some speed planes nicely, it's easy to surf around, but like you can also carve it. I mean, it works from a forward stance. It works from a centered stance. Um, yeah, in powder, like zero complaints for a 110 underfoot ski. Yeah. Um, then the bigger surprise, I think, was when everything got super chopped up and we skied some very deep chop. Yeah. Like I was expecting to just hate myself at that point being on an 1800 gram ski. But as long as, like, provided that you're looking to ski with more of an active, light on your feet style, like, I was not upset at the ski I was on, which was pretty surprising to me. Um, it wouldn't be, it's far from my first choice for skiing fast through chop, but for its weight and its size. And I think the big thing is just the predictability round flex pattern, like stiff enough to blast through some stuff, but not like buck you like crazy. Um, yeah, just like very, (laughs) very few complaints, um, so far and really impressed by how well it's done in the resort, especially. Okay. Well, Kristen, we've already talked about pants, but let's talk about a ski suit. Yes. <laughs> oh. You seem quite excited about this. Tell me what's up. Well, I'm uh, fairly apprehensive about wearing one pieces, but I kind of like, I, I think they're fun. So I tried the strafe stick bird and I thought it was pretty fun. Um snowsuit. It's not something I gravitate towards every day, but then an Arcteryx, I guess they've been working on it for about eight years, this Incendia one piece, and it's this marbled gray, it's got a soft hand feel shell. It's, it's, I just think it's really nice looking, and I've skied a few days in it, including one day where I totally ate it trying to rack my skis, looking like a an amazing skier in it. Um, but it's fun. I think it's really nice design, easy to use the restroom. Um, just, yeah, I, I really like it. Great vents. How often do you see one pieces on the mountain? Well, quite often, but serious one pieces, like a technical one piece, <laughs> not, not super often. Although it's one of those that it doesn't stand out as a one piece. Yeah. It doesn't look ridiculous. It looks 
good. I I think. Yeah. I mean, when I come out with the review, you guys can all weigh in on that too. Jonathan already somewhat weighed in this afternoon. I still wore it out. Um, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Wait, I think we'll have a picture up with this when we promote this episode on Friday. Oh, maybe we should get one of the like Arcteryx uh, lookbook photos because no. they look really good in them. No, this has to be you. This is you. What's up? Oh, we should go do a photo shoot tomorrow then. Did you guys not shoot it today? No, I meant like a lifestyle photo shoot. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, actually you could if you can find the proper location. Anyway, all right. You're in on the Arcteryx technical one piece. Yes. And this thing, this piece will be available for next season. Yes. It's not currently available. Yep. Okay. So I think I want to talk a little bit about ski boots. I've been spending time recently in the new, well, the 2021 Atomic Hawks Ultra 130S. You heard Matt Manzer and me talk a little bit about that boot in our last uh, podcast with Matt Manzer, part four of probably what will be part 150 parts or something. Um, I also skied the 2021 Hawks Ultra XTD 130 and little uh, teaser here. I'm actually going to be skiing a full tilt very soon. And we're going to be talking about full tilt very soon. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm very excited for this conversation. And I think you guys are going to like this one. So anyway, ski boots, it's interesting. I I've been on record for several seasons now. My reference boot is the head Raptor 140 RS. I still adore this boot. The Atomic Hawks Ultra 130S is kind of the polar opposite of the Head Raptor 140. The Head Raptor 140, I think, is probably one of the absolute heaviest Alpine boots on the market, while the Atomic Hawks Ultra 130S, definitely one of the lighter Alpine boots on the market. And, um, Honestly, I think these are two of the most interesting Alpine boots I've been in in a while. Pretty different performance characteristics. Uh, and I'll be talking about the Hawks Ultra soon on the site or writing about it soon on the site. But it is the, I think it's the first Alpine boot I've ever been inclined to describe as playful. And I guess the primary other descriptor I would use is like, that boot just feels really poppy. There is a wild amount of rebound that you get out of that Hawks Ultra. And I think that that makes it not great for certain applications, but a super amount of fun in other areas. So yeah, turns out two of, I think, the most interesting Alpine boots I've skied in like the last couple of seasons. One is probably the heaviest alpine boot on the market and the other is one of the lightest yeah well you've been having a jolly good time testing out <laughs> a bunch of boots that are all great and work for your feet i've been hating myself for the past several weeks because the boots i had been using the nordica strider 120 finally finally kind of died on me um between the liner and just i mean bashing them into rocks for i think three seasons now yeah um, so I got the fun job of trying to figure out what boots are going to work for me. Um, I've now been in, I think, 
eight different shells. And in addition to all the stock liners for those shells, four additional liners. <laughs> um, and I haven't found anything that works. Um, so it's cool. Um, the Dalbella Lupo Pro HD, which I'll be writing about very soon. I really like how it skis. I think it's a really good boot, but I've now put four liners in it and cannot get the right fit. So, I mean, maybe everyone's probably like, well, it's not the boot for you, Luke. Well, I've been trying and I thought it was going to work and it's not. Um, we just got some new Roxa boots that I'm going to try. I'm going to give another go at fitting the Solomon S Pro 130. Um, and then I might try the Atomic Hawks Prime because I've been skiing the Atomic Hawks Prime XTD 130. Um, it's the a new, mouthful. The new for next the year. The new boot. 2021 version. Um, it's new for next year. And I have been really impressed by that boot. Um, I... I thought the old Atomic Hawks Ultra XTD 130 was a very good boot and very impressive, but it was one I never actually used that much because it absolutely crushed my feet and that liner was so thin, um, especially for skiing in the resort. Um, the new liner in the 2021 XTD boots is significantly better. Um, feels way more similar to an Alpine liner. Um, I really like the flex pattern of this Prime XTD. It's progressive. It's nice, easy to get into, but supportive. Um, and the fit feels like it could work. Um, of course, as soon as I say that, uh, I think we, you were on the phone with Matt Manzer when I tried them on. Yeah. And I was like, this feels amazing. And then, of course, I go out and ski them and can't really for that long. But I'm very eager to try out their not only the memory fits, uh, heat molding process with the shell, but also the new Mimic liners, because I think that could be my new go-to touring boot. Um, skis really well, and I think with the new Mimic liners, um, those XTD boots become much more viable options for people who want something that <clears throat> they can use in the resort occasionally. The previous XTD 130, I did not enjoy skiing in the resort because it just felt so jarring. There was like no padding on your feet. It felt like um, what I'm talking about is like the old XTDs were like riding a hardtail in the resort. The new ones, it's like a full suspension bike. Wow. Yeah. Nice little analogy there. Yeah. How would you uh, compare it to like say race cars? The old XTDs were, let's say... Uh, I mean, it's like a it's a car you built for the Nurburgring, like a racetrack. I mean, they're like precise suspension. They have like a million PSI in their suspension, super stiff because you need to be pushing it super hard. Um, and then the new ones are like a rally car. It's not like a Baja truck where it's absorbing everything. Like this is, it's still like a 1600-ish gram boot, but um, like it's it feels like it's actually meant to kind of absorbs some of the impacts you're hitting. Um, and it just like, I've just been saying it's a more comfortable boot, not because like it f actually fits my foot better. It's just, there's more cush to it. It's like putting cush cores in your tires. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Back to mountain Making bikes. all and all of the analogies. Um, if you had to compare these boots to farm animals. Uh, um, if we're talking about skiing in the resort, like I don't have much experience on farms, but like, the old XTDs, a donkey. 
because it's not very uh, cooperative. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot for you. Wow. Um, and then the new ones, like a cow. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was gonna say dog, but like I feel like that that would be like a really nice alpine boot. <laughs> a dog out. A dogs are nice alpine boots. Yeah, because they're just like they're. I mean, they're unconditional. Well, no, because alpine all ski boots suck because they hurt your feet. Um, that that's my <laughs> opinion hurt, now after the last feet. few weeks. Um, I think I'm just gonna start snowboarding. Is the bottom wow. line? <laughs> wow, that was interesting. All right, well, I think we need to dial in our farm <laughs> animal analogies. That's mostly what I learned here, and I can't wait for Matt Manzer to hear you describe the original XTD as a donkey. <laughs> yeah, there's your new marketing company, Matt. Yeah. The donkey of AT boots. I think that's our cue uh, to get out of this conversation. Um, so uh, yeah, let us know if you have better farm animal analogies than the ones you've heard here today. Yeah, to, to be fair to myself, I've never had to compare a product to a farm animal before. So my head wasn't really in that space not not yet not yet just wait 20 the 2021 season that's our whole buyer's guide next year yeah farm animals um i think we are definitely ready to end on that note and so with that um we're gonna get back to more testing tomorrow and uh yeah stay tuned to blisterreview.com uh to see everything we're reviewing and become a blister member and get our flash reviews on this stuff and uh, be the first to know. Um, thanks everybody. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Kristen. And we will talk to you all very soon. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. And now remember, we are extremely close to that 250 ratings mark and your personal rating will move things one step closer to what will probably be the sickest telly movie ever filmed. I also want to say thanks to Luke and Kristen for this conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Now, please go take good care out there. And we will talk to you again next week.